0: Welcome to the Film for Fans podcast, your home for movie news, reviews, movie fan views. This is the podcast from movie fans for movie fans. I am your host once again, Ryan Dunleavy, joined as always by my co-host Rob Dunham.
1: What is
2: up?
0: All right. It is, it's it's good. We got movies to talk about. We've got good stuff to discuss and I'm looking forward to it. We have a fantastic show in store for you today. We're going to give you a box office update, preview what's coming up, Uh, some late breaking news as of yesterday on upcoming Marvel movies. We'll discuss movie trailers at length. And of course, we'll do our watch list. And make sure you stay tuned to the end because our recommendations for today are going to be what to watch on Hulu and HBO Max. So you wanna make sure we're gonna hit that up at the end of the podcast today. All right, let's get started. Uh, So let's do our box office update. Uh, We'll start out with last week, and no surprise to anyone, Free Guy takes the top slot in the box office, bringing in 28.5 million followed by another movie in its first week of release, the horror film, Don't Breathe 2, with 10.6 million. Uh, Coming in third, Jungle Cruise, still a very respectable 9.1, considering how many weeks it's been out. Uh, Respect took 8.8 million in its first week, and The Suicide Squad in its second week went for 7.5 million. Anything stand out to you from the box office results from last week?
1: I think uh, Don't Breathe, too, is pretty impressive.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, making double figures in its first week is pr- usually a pretty good indicator for a horror movie when things are normal. So yeah. that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive for me, I think, and might indicate that it is perhaps worth checking out. Because usually when a horror movie does that well, um, there's, a, there's a reason Like people are talking about it. People are getting other people to see it. It's usually not just like fans of the movie are showing up. So especially like this isn't like a huge, long established series like I saw or something like that. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm intrigued by um, potentially what's going on in the movie. So I have to check that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for me, I think uh, the most surprising thing for me is that Jungle Cruise is, is still humming along in a pretty good clip. Um, for, what are we talking, a th- month now? it it been out for a month now? Three, four weeks? Um, still pulling in 9.1 million is impressive. Um, I think that shows to that, that movie has had staying power in the box office. And it's, um, I think it's one of the first ones that has a broader audience range appeal. Um, and people must like it. So, i'm I'm impressed with its uh, longevity and its ability to still stay up near the top week in and week out um, what do you think of the results for free guided?
1: Um, I'm I don't think I'm very surprised I mm-hmm. think out of everything that was coming out or is that makes sense that it's the highest um, maybe the number a little high but uh, I think Ryan Reynolds has proven that He's a proven commodity at this point. People yeah. go just to see him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Uh, so that was last week at the box office. Now, this week, we have several movies coming out. So we have a whole new slate uh, hitting the theaters this week. And I think there are some very intriguing options. Uh, so making its debut on Friday is Reminiscence. This is the Hugh Jackman movie. And this is kind of a sci-fi action thriller. And it's basically a a private investigator of the mind navigates the alluring world of the past when his life is changed by a new client. Uh, So this has, uh, if you've seen the trailer, this has Uh, kind of a futuristic, um, a little bit apocalyptic type feel to it, uh, promises some mental intrigue. Uh, So that's Reminiscence. Uh, We have The Night House, which is debuting as well. And The Night House um, stars Rebecca Hall, Sarah Goldman, uh, Vonnie Curtis Hall, and this is a widow begins to uncover her recently deceased husband's disturbing secrets.
2: Oh, yes, I'm disturbed. All
0: right, uh, and we also have protege, uh, which is Maggie Q, and um. Maggie Q, Michael Keaton, Samuel L. Jackson. And this is a rescued as a child by the legendary assassin Moody, played by Samuel L. Jackson, a trained and trained in family business. Maggie Q is the world's most skilled contract killer. But when Moody, but when Moody, the man who was like a Fathered her and taught her everything she needs to know about survival. Is brutally brutally killed. But Anna vows for revenge. So we have a good old assassin revenge film. And last but not least on this list, Paw Patrol the movie. Woo! Woo! Paw Patrol. Okay, so there's I'm your. Sure my
1: son will make me see that
2: at some <laughs> point.
0: <laughs> okay, so with four movies coming out. Um, that promise to get some decent box office run. Uh, rank them in order of which ones you are most intrigued to least intrigued.
1: Uh, so, Reminiscence,
0: *The Protégé*, yeah. *The Night House*, *Paul Patrol*.
1: See, it's funny that you said it because that's my order.
2: Literally. Yeah. <laughs> <Good on>. Okay. <laughs>
1: And uh I'm very much looking forward to the Fountainception, which is kind of how I feel about <laughs> reminiscence after watching the trailer. yeah, do it. Kind of feel elements of both those mm-hmm. movies, especially because huge Jackman is in it?
2: Yes, <laughs> and
1: uh, it's also in the fountain, so I'm just I'm feeling that like same vibe.:
2: If
0: it delivers anything close to the fountain, it will be fantastic. yeah. I'm not trying to hold it to that standard, but if it does, that would be that would be quite an accomplishment. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I think reminiscence for me is the one that I'm most intrigued about. It's, I mean, first off, it's a genre that's it's one of my favorite genres. The you know the kind of sci-fi thriller, um, especially with the the journey inside the mind aspect. Um, The question is whether they'll be able to deliver on the promise and the premise of the movie or whether they will just fall flat. Um, I'm also, I also think the protege shows a lot of potential. Uh, Maggie Q is always good whenever she's in something and, you know, you you just got to get down with a good revenge flick every once in a while. So I think that, uh, I think that merits, um, I think that merits uh, checking out as well I'm not as I'm not sure I'm not sure about the nighthouse maybe maybe it'll be good it won't I don't have a strong impression one way or the other on that particular one I probably will not see Paul patrol
1: well you don't have a six-year-old son so I do you don't have a sense. Son. so yeah
0: I'll leave that one to you and you know we'll expect the uh, the in-depth review has yes, heavy will. podcast features on, on the Paw Patrol well, movie.
1: Well, it's one of the Faustian themes of Paw Patrol the movie and podcast <laughs> in your near future.
0: <laughs> yes. I, I expect a detailed analysis of all the literary references yes. uh, littered throughout the uh, the Paw Patrol movie.
1: Yeah. Paw Patrol is really just a hero's journey if you think about it. So
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 all right. So that's what we've got coming up this week in the box office. So make sure you check it out. Plus, you there's still Suicide Squad will still be there, Jungle Cruise will still be there, Free Guy will still be there, you know, all of those. So we're starting to fill up with movies. Uh, some late breaking news uh, that came out yesterday that we wanted to hit on the podcast, and that is a big Marvel announcement. Anthony Mackie has agreed and the contract is finalized for him to star in the Captain America 4 movie. Um, This has kind of been rumored for a while of him taking over the role and now it is official. He's getting the film, he's gonna be the lead. Uh, Very few details are known at this point, Um, but that is official and that's that's a big step in the next phase of Marvel. What did you make of the Anthony Mackie news?
1: Well, I would say if you have not seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier, sh- Soldier show on Disney Plus, you should, because that will explain to you why Anthony Mackie is uh, the new Captain America, and it makes sense because I think they did a really good job of building his character up in that um, show to prepare him for taking over the role in the movie, and I I like that they're doing that and they've got the continuity. Going on because it feels like it's all just part of one story, even the TV shows. And that's the goal they were going for. So I'm glad they were able to work it out, I guess, financially and uh, with everything else to let him be Captain America. Because after watching the show, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Mm -hmm. And it it is interesting. This will be the first time really that Anthony Mackie is the star of a big movie. Um, He was obviously the star of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but that's a Disney Plus show. Um, Now he does have the safety net of it being a Marvel movie and everyone wants to continue watching the Marvel movies. So there's a history there. It will be fascinating to see if Anthony Mackie can bring um, the gravitas to the role and, and continue to run with it. I think he's fully capable and I think he's an excellent actor. But this this will be it's not without it's not without a little bit of risk. Um, I think I think it's the right move and I think it's a it's a good thing, but he has not been the main lead in a in a in a big movie. So I'm I'm happy for him though. He's he's good and his, and his character is well played. So um, favorite Anthony Mackey
2: movie.
1: Uh, so I'm, like, basic because I know I've seen him in lots of things, <laughs> but, like, I don't really recall him, like, probably just because I didn't know who he was when I was watching the movies. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff yeah. that you don't realize. So,
1: so for me, it's just, like, the Marvel movies in general and his character mm-hmm. as uh, the Falcon, because I just think he, he does a great job with that and um, provides a good sense of levity. Uh, In the movies that he's in, he always seems to, like, his role is to be funny, but, like, it's funny in a way that's actually funny and not, like, pandering funny, I guess, if you want to say it that way. Yeah. Um, I think he performed that role really well. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see his shift into the different character. And uh, I'm glad they're doing it that way.
0: And he had a great, he had a great kind of debut scene uh, when he's running around DC and Captain America just keeps passing him and making some <laughs> comments as he, yeah. as he keeps getting lapped. I mean, he had, he, had a, he had a quality debut that kind of endeared you to his character right from the beginning. Um, for me, the the moment I noticed him for the first time and I thought, wow, he's really good was The Adjustment Bureau. That was the movie that really put him on the map for me. I thought he was excellent in the role as the kind of the lead guardian to Matt Damon's character and the way he played that it's there it's a less emotional character but the bit way he was able to bring an emotional weight to it um, was really really well done so yeah Anthony Mackey, good actor all right, let's move on to our discussion for the evening. And we're going to talk about movie trailers. Uh, so I'll let you set this up. You sent something to me earlier this week um, that you had read about a, a a guy's decision on movie trailers. And we'll kind of use that to kind of set up the discussion.
1: Yeah, so this guy on Reddit had uh he posted this article about how I think it was. He went and saw Inception or one of those movies and he walked out saying, man, imagine how much cooler it would have been if I had not known anything about it before I saw it. And, uh, he decided at that point that he was not going to watch trailers anymore. He described it as a coming to Jesus moment, which I thought was very interesting. (laughs) And, uh, I have had experience with this with a movie before. And so when I saw this, that this guy doesn't watch trailers at all for any movie that he's interested in seeing, it really resonated with me because I did this for the movie Rogue One when it came out to the point where I would like leave the theater when I saw that a Rogue One trailer was starting. (laughs) And I have to say that it made the experience more enjoyable for me watching the movie without having seen a whole bunch of stuff. Now, he doesn't go as far as to leave. What he said he does is to not watch what's on the screen hmm. and he just close his eyes. And he said, you'll be surprised how you don't necessarily remember just the audio. Like it doesn't stick in your mind the way the visual does. And I found that very intriguing. I'm not sure if I wanna go as far as to say, I won't watch trailers anymore, but I think it's a very worthwhile, (coughs) Ah, worthwhile discussion to have. Okay then.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's an interesting idea. The role of trailers to the movie industry and the role of trailers in the life of an individual film goer. Um, so before we get into what we actually think of that idea and our personal preferences and where we personally would like to go with trailers, um, what let's, let's back up and let's tackle the question of, what, what are the pros and cons of trailers? So, what what is good about having trailers? What is bad about having trailers? What do you where where do you land on pros and cons? Let's start off with let's start off with some of the pros. Um, in your estimation, what are, what are some of the pros about
1: trailers? Uh, I think one of the main things is that you can see the actors kind of in the role, but not fully in the role, so you can mm-hmm. kind of get an idea if they fit uh what they're supposed to be doing like if the person has a terrible accent in the trailer like <laughs> it, it might cause you to not be as excited about seeing them in that role or um if it just doesn't look like they fit the character that they're going for or um anything like that it can it can provide red flags or it can provide i guess excitement for oh i didn't think that person would do that kind of role or something along that line um, I also think it gives you a good idea of the visual style of the movie. Like you were just talking about reminiscent. And I think that is one, like watching the trailer. I, I think maybe just reading about it and not having seen the visuals might not have you as interested. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're seeing some of the stylistic choices that are being made um, angles, camera shots, things like that, that you wouldn't get from just reading about it. Yeah. So I think those are, those are probably two aspects of trailers that I mm-hmm. think are worthwhile How about you.
0: For me, I think it's all about the feel. I want to get a feel for what is this movie like? Um, what, what type of tone are they going to take? What type of genre are we looking at? Um, what is the feel? And that, for me, I think is the most important. It's like, set this movie in a particular place for me. What am, what am I going to get into? What am I going to experience? What am I in for? Set, basically set up the stage for me. That's, that's for, for me, one of the pros of a, of a trailer is just to give you a feel about what the movie is. Uh, this is especially important, I think, for movies that don't have um, a particular uh, fan base or uh, known source material. Um, for instance, if you're, if you're going to create a movie off of a famous book, there's already source material. So you already have an idea of where the story is going. Or if it's the next Marvel movie or the next Star Wars movie, you already have an idea of where to place this. It's just a question of what's going to happen. Uh, with a movie um, that you've never heard of, that's just based off of a script, you need something to say. What What is this? Basically, what is this that that you're putting in front of me? And I think that is one of the main things that a good trailer accomplishes. Uh, what would you What would you roll with for negatives about movie trailers? What, what are the cons of having trailers?
1: I guess I feel like you can feel at times like you've seen everything that's going to happen. Mm. Although mm-hmm. as we as we've discussed before, like even if you feel that way, you're only seeing about two and a half minutes maybe of a hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so there's no way you can see everything. But I do think some trailers do spoil like key plot points. And that's a negative for me. Because you don't want to have that happen before you see the movie. Mm-hmm. So I would say that's a negative.
0: Yeah, I think also it did inherently by the nature of it, they're giving stuff away. You're getting to see Superman in the black suit. (laughs) You're getting to see um, what a a character looks like. Um, A little bit about their persona. You're getting glimpses of some of the action scenes. If it's a comedy, you're getting a couple of the jokes. And so by the very nature of it, you're giving some of the movie away,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and and this is I think this speaks a little bit to to the the Reddit guy that you we were quoting at the beginning here uh, as to some of the reasons he's gone as far as he did because if you're if you know you're going to see a movie, um, any information that's given away can take a little bit away yeah there's there's going to be two and a half minutes of the movie basically that you have already seen one way or the other so that's by very nature of it uh that it gives stuff away
1: yeah i I think it might be worthwhile to attempt this for like a future movie at some point
2: Mm
1: Because i did feel like seeing rogue one was a different experience having intentionally not gone out of my way to see things about it before it happened. And there were some things that, that surprised me that I was very happy about because I didn't know they were coming.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I think it's an interesting idea.
0: Yeah. So now let's, I mean, let's kind of dig into that to the next layer. So for a movie trailer, what makes it good when a trailer is done well, when it, when it really is excellent, what What makes it excellent and what does that do uh, both for you as a viewer and for the movie itself?
1: Uh, I think the trailer highlights, we've talked about this briefly and the other things we've talked about, that the trailer highlights the main actors and their role in the movie. So it gives you like a solid idea of what you're going to be seeing them as. I think it should ideally have some humor, unless it's not a funny movie. Like, it's scary movie it should scare you. <laughs> yeah. um, it should provide you an idea of the visual style that you're going to be seeing in the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, shouldn't, it should not spoil major plot points. Yes. And in fact, I think the best trailers, and I know that this has annoyed you in the past, but I think it's a sign of a good trailer. Like the trailer should almost misdirect you.
2: Hmm.
1: You should go to the movie expecting something and at least storyline wise and have something else happen. And <laughs> I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Ad Astra right now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs>
0: yeah. See, yeah, we'll have to disagree a little bit about yeah. because I, <laughs> I don't think I don't think misleading is a good thing. <laughs> I think couching something in mystery is different from misleading. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I would say there's a little bit of a difference uh, yeah for, for me with a good trailer a good trailer gets you more excited about a movie um, you, you've seen this and, and, and trailers have just blown up and gotten, and gotten to be such a big deal but you see something like oh I want to go see that I'm excited about it. I really, really can't wait for that to come out. That is the feel. A good trailer does that. If it accomplishes that, it has done its duty. Um, More specifically, I think what a trailer, a a well-crafted trailer does is it builds intrigue. It doesn't have to give away plot points. It doesn't have to tell you what's going to happen. What it has to do is give you a sense that you want more. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And and when it's done well, I think that can happen. Now, some movies, just the very nature of some material makes that easier than others. Uh, You have to do trailers for action movies very differently than you uh, have to do trailers for comedies or for, you know, narrative dramas. Um, but sometimes they can just show you a few images and you barely have to hear any, you barely have to hear any dialogue, you barely have to hear any text, but they just show you certain images. And if they've, they're they picked out correctly, it just leaves you wanting more.
2: Mm-hmm. I, think is, I
0: think when it's done well, that's that's the result.
1: Yeah, the editing is a huge component of things too because you need the the things need to flow together. Like you need to, it needs to make the people who see it want to watch the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we can talk more about the the specifics of how some of that's done in in a moment here. Uh, but let, let's talk about bad bad trailers. Why, when you've seen a bad trailer, what what comes to mind for you? on bad trailers. What makes what makes a bad trailer, what uh,
1: what do you have issues with on that front? The funny thing for me is I think that most trailers I see are good. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's much become quite an art form. It's much easier to make two and a half minutes of something good than it is to make an hour and 45 mm-hmm. minutes of something good. Yeah. And I think that you can make almost any movie look good when you're only doing two minutes worth of content.
0: (laughs) Um, I picked up on, you picked on something up there is that it is dependent on the source material.
1: Yeah, one one thing that's fascinating to me is just how trailers have evolved. Like, especially when you think of the, like if you think of the 80s, like they used to show a whole bunch of like continuous action from specific scenes, like as part of trailers. And then in the 90s, they moved into like the voiceover, the voiceover guy with the deep voice explaining what was happening on the screen. In a world, yeah,
0: everything is going wrong.
1: And uh more recently we've seen trailers move into and I've I've found this fascinating once I, I heard someone say something about it because I see it all the time now, is so many trailers have a slow remix of some famous song done like, uh, acoustically. Yes. It's, it's almost mind blowing how many of them do that. Yes. Because that is like the thing now. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Once you, and, and, uh, like, I guess, in a little bit before that and still kind of bleeding over into trailers now is, uh, it's kind of started with inception. And the, like, the giant bass sounds.
2: Yeah. A lot
1: of trailers were doing that for a while, too. So yeah. it's interesting how they go in phases.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that when you are in the middle of a phase, it's hard to pick out, like, if something is good or bad. Yeah. Or not. Because everyone's doing the same kind of thing.
2: hmm
1: So... Yeah, it's 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 hard to necessarily pick out like something that's bad when you're stuck in the phase that you're in of mm-hmm. the trailer industry because it, it shifts. Yeah. Like every every five years or so there's a shift a, a shift of some kind in the general industry of creating them.
0: Mm-hmm. And there used to be a lot of very quick cut scenes. Mm-hmm. Like one shot, next shot, next shot, next shot, and it can just kind of move you around, and that's that's how they would give you the feel without trying to give too much away. Uh, for me, though, I think uh, there's several things that, that constitute a bad trailer. Some of which you won't really be able to know until after you've seen the movie whether or not the trailer was actually good or not. Um, one is if it for me, and we talked about this in a moment ago. If it misrepresents the film. Um, and you use the ad Astra as an example. I think it was more misleading than misrepresenting. But one that I will say I thought was completely misrepresented, and I think the film suffered as a result of it, was Jack Reacher. The trailer for Jack Reacher tried to make it out to be like this super action, you know, um, you know, tough guy action movie, and it wasn't that intriguing. It was not. There was not a whole lot in there that made you go, oh, I want to see this movie. Uh, but I eventually did see it. And it's a completely different movie than the trailer makes it out to be. And I thought that the, the, the trailer just did a terrible job of representing what the movie actually was. And I think the movie itself ended up suffering as a result of it. And if you don't get a trailer that really that really drives people to your movie, that's going to that's gonna be a big problem it's gonna really affect your your movie. So I think that's one thing for me. I think another one is if it, it shows too much, if you get too much of key sequences or, or if there's a, you know, a surprise character and you get a glimpse of them in the trailer or things of, the, of that nature um, or comedies, this is one thing that happens in comedies is the best lines end up being in the trailer Like the funniest jokes, the best lines end up being in the trailer. I think that that really takes away from the movie. Um, Or sometimes now this is is not necessarily the fault of the trailer, but like a key funny or a key moment from the trailer that was really, really memorable ends up not being in the movie as a result of the final cut. Uh Um, I think an example of this that I thought of off the top of my head was Hitch. Uh, there was a really funny line in Hitch when when uh, Will Smith goes to, you know, fake kiss Kevin James and he uses a really funny line in there. And it was in all the trailers. It was. It was a great line. And then you get to the movie and in the actual movie, the cut that they used, the scene that they used he, has, he said something different. And so I just remember I remember that sticking out and I'm like, oh, man. they use a different line. That line was worse than the one they used in the trailer. What the heck? (laughs) Uh So that happens on occasion just because they're doing the trailers. Like almost they're start working on basically once filming begins. And so sometimes that stuff happens. Um, So let's go, let's go to personal preferences. You seem very intrigued by this idea of limiting or removing your knowledge of trailers from some movies? What, where are you, Where is your head at with these? Where, where are you? What are you thinking about along these lines?
1: I don't think I'm really prepared to do it with every movie I'm interested in, but I think that I will probably pick one or two out that are in the near future and see if I can pull it off. Because I, I did really have a good experience when I did it the one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it would be have to be something that I know a little bit about, hmm. but not everything about. So that's why Rogue One, I think, was good for me, because obviously I knew Star Wars. Um, and I knew like where that story fit in the storyline, just because I knew like how the Star Wars timeline works. So I had a general understanding of what was happening, but I didn't know the specifics. And I think that's the main thing for me is the specifics of it.
0: Yeah, this is this is interesting to me because I I almost consider it a skill of mine that I'm able to analyze the trailer and decide whether it's going to be a good movie and whether I will want to see it or not. Like I've I've really feel like I've developed that over the years. Um, so the trailers for me have become very important to me with regards to what I see or how much. I engage with, or even something as simple as whether my wife will enjoy this movie because she has a very narrow, you know, template of movies she likes to go see. Um, so just being able to um, analyze trailers is a is something I value. So it's intriguing to me, and it's almost an anathema to me to be like, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I could, I don't think I could ever get to a place where I'm like, I'm not watching any trailers. Um, but it would be intriguing at one point to go into a movie completely cold. I don't know if I can pull it off and I'm not sure which type of movie I would select to do that with, uh, but it would be interesting to,
2: to try it at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Would you do it? I I think, I I think like
1: in the, not super far away future one that springs to mind that I might try this on because it fits that parameter of me knowing a bunch about it already but not knowing very many specific details would be the new Jurassic World movie Mm. because I know like some of the casting choices and I know some of the general idea of the storyline but I haven't seen anything yet so yeah, that might be one that would be interesting to try and attempt it with
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah, it, it's it is interesting how much um trailers affect the the movie going audience. This has gotten to the place where and this we can get into the kind of the art of trailers and um doing some research for this one. This this is an entire industry like there are there are companies dedicated to that's what they do they they create movie trailers and it will take them sometimes between six months and two years working on a trailer they'll have they'll have you know 15 20 people they'll have an entire room it's basically like a mini movie production with that many people, if you take like all the people it takes to create an entire movie and shrink it down a little bit, it's huge. 15, 20 people, art directors, editors, sound guys, all kinds of stuff. Um, they can go through as many as 200 different uh, versions of the trailer before they finally get to it. And now even more so, they're, they're developing teasers, which will often be teasers that will let you know when the trailer's coming out and will give you just um, just a real small quick hit. That's becoming more popular. Even now that there's, there's, especially like with Marvel movies, there can be like three waves of trailers where they have this campaign planned out for however long where this trailer will be ready for this event. And so there is an awful lot at stake when it comes to the movie trailers. And and it really has become an art form.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, there's even a, their their own award shows for for who makes the best trailers. Has there maybe I'll just ask you this off the top of your head? Were there any trailers that you remember? Um, any trailers that you remember off the top of your head? That you were like, wow, that was an incredible trailer, and even it sticks out in your mind.
2: I
1: think that. Uh... The Marvel movies in general have done a really good job of producing trailers that get you interested in the movie. I think uh, Christopher Nolan's movies as well, Inception and Tenet, in particular. I remember seeing the trailers and being very excited mm-hmm. <laughs> that was going to happen. And on a completely different note, different than any of those movies in every way. Uh, the trailer for the movie lighthouse is what made me interested in watching the movie Mm. because it was just so bizarre looking to me. And the, the trailer had like this sing songy repeated line over and over through it. It was very creepy and interesting looking. And I was like, Hmm. And that that's one that when I mentioned, like you get an idea of how it's shot like that one in the trailer you saw how they were doing like the four by three black and white thing for it that you would not have known if you didn't yeah. visually see something for the movie so um i think it can be very effective and make you want to watch movies sure
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah
0: one one that sticks out i'm not not necessarily because it was like the most fantastic trailer. but I remember seeing so many trailers for Stranger than Fiction. The Will Smith or the, the Will Ferrell movie. And I remember it's like I wanted to see it from the first time I saw the trailer. And then I just kept seeing the trailer over and over and over and over again. I was like, can this movie please come out? Because I'm tired of seeing this trailer because I, I want to see it. Just put the movie out. Um, i'm intrigued by by this too because the bond movie the newest bond movie was supposed to come out however long ago and they've had that same trailer out forever and the trailer almost feels dated now you know (laughs) because because we've waited for this movie to come out for so long uh so there's clearly a shelf life on these things
1: yeah uh now that you bring that up like another one that I. Uh, I thought was really good was were the trailers for the Secret Life of Committee because mm. they did yeah. a good job of giving you an idea that this was going to be something pretty unique. And then uh, I think I like the trailer so much because the movie delivered on yeah uh, that like that uh, lived up to what the trailers were were trying to make it look like. In my opinion,
0: no, I agree with that for sure. All right, well, that's a good bit on movie trailers. So let's move on to our watch list. Movies that we have seen over the past week. And we'll give you a little bit of a rundown on them. So Rob, why don't you head up and go first.
1: Uh, so this last week, I watched The Suicide Squad. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. We had talked about how uh, some of the articles that had come out Said things like they really let James Gunn go crazy and was like hyper violent and stuff. Yeah. After watching the movie, I can tell you that was accurate. Yep. (laughs) Yep. Um, It can be summed up, I think, with the sentence uh, a giant shark man literally rips a man in half on screen. (laughs) Like this. Uh And you see all the organs. (laughs) And yet somehow it it doesn't really necessarily make sense, but somehow it was hyper violent, but like still amusing (laughs) somehow. I don't know. Like it, it didn't seem like it was violent just for the sake of being violent, which I think a lot of movies can feel like sometimes. Um, I, I, we can talk more about this, but I personally thought it was way better than the first suicide squad movie. Mm. Um, I felt like the humor seemed more natural and not forced. Uh, I felt like the actors were better chosen for the characters, and I thought they each embodied the characters very well. Obviously, Margot Robbie was the same, both. Um, And one thing for me that really stuck out to me, because I remember being very frustrated by the fact that in the original movie, the soundtrack sounded like it was picked out by someone who's just like, Let's pick every popular song ever from the 90s and 2000s and somehow jam it into this movie, even if it doesn't make any sense. And this movie, uh, The Suicide Squad, the new one was kind of full of like indie rock and like not super well-known songs, but they fit way better
2: Hmm.
1: what the movie was trying to do. And for me, who focuses on music a lot, that made a big difference. So I, I... Don't think it's like an amazing movie, but I think it was way better than the first attempt at Suicide Squad, and I will probably watch it again. So, uh,
0: I I will do a slight confession I'm about three quarters of the way through the movie. Okay, so I did not complete it. However, what I can say so far is, for me, um, the humor fell very flat. Um. I did not, I was not on the same wavelength with them when it came to the humor, especially early in the movie. Like, I wasn't, to me, it it felt like, it felt a bit ham-fisted. And, and just on the nose, uh, as opposed to being, you know, satirical and funny. It just felt, eh. Um i didn't particularly engage with most of the characters especially early in the movie um the one scene one scene in particular which is a slight spoiler in that um blood uh, blood sport is is with his daughter when he's in prison mm-hmm. and i think they were suppo- that was supposed to be like oh these people are crazy and this is kind of funny and it was more like no just no <laughs> um, so I I don't know it's just I to me he was not pulling off I mean now we'll see uh, like I said I haven't quite finished the movie um he wasn't pulling off a ton of it I thought I thought Margot Robbie's character was definitely a standout. I still think she has the best character amongst them but uh surprisingly I thought the shark was actually I actually enjoyed the shark more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought he was pretty good. I, I particularly enjoyed when he was like, I'm going to go in disguise. And he's like, I'm going in disguise. And he's up there like holding his fin. <laughs> I'm going to wear a mustache. He's holding his fin up yeah. in front of his mouth. Uh, there Chuck, were
1: yeah, there,
0: there <laughs> was some good stuff in there. But like in particular, like I, John, the humor, the John Ceney humor just didn't, uh, I just wasn't. You didn't afraid.
1: see it. You didn't see it.
0: I just wasn't feeling it. I was not feeling it, and and we were, we talked about we talked about uh, Rocky Five uh, last week, and one of the things we talked about was how bad Rocky Five was. And one of my beefs with Rocky Five is the name Tommy Gunn. It's just yeah. so generic, and of course, in Suicide Squad you have Rick Flag, and it's like really like. <laughs> So it just, there's a, a bunch of things like that,
2: but yeah.
0: So I, eh, that's, that's my, that was my thought so far as eh,
2: whatever. <laughs>
0: so, uh, yeah. What else you got? Do you, do you get anything else in or you have anything else to say about that?
2: Uh,
1: I didn't really see any other like full movies. I saw bits and pieces of several kids' movies, so I okay. guess. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. For a busy week. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh so for me I got to see uh, I got to see The Green Knight this week. Mm. Uh, I was really intrigued by this film and I really wanted to get a chance to see it in theater. So I got a chance to this week and it was intriguing. Uh it was something. It was it was a it was it was a sight to behold. I will I will say that. It Um, It was unique and epic in its own way. Uh, Certainly not traditional. This is a story about uh, Gawain and the Green Knight. uh, It's an Arthurian legend, but it's very, very different than any other Arthur or Arthurian uh, literature movies that you've seen before. Uh, This movie focused so much on mood, on atmosphere, on creating and environment, and it is not at all focused on story, exposition, or dialogue. Um, There's almost no large exposition scenes. Like they don't really attempt to explain almost anything. Um, They don't give you any backstory. Uh, They don't, they barely tell you context on some of this stuff. They just, the director basically just sets up a scene and it hopes that the visuals are enough to carry it. Or or a look or an intrigue or the feel or the setting and the surrounding. Uh, they do a lot of stuff with color, a lot of stuff with cinematography. There's a number of shots where it just you just see the camera pan up and you get like the tops of trees or you get um, the attic of a building or... It's a lot of lot of stuff done with visuals. Uh, there's a lot left unexplained. They're not trying to get you to understand the story. Um, the director is just relying on you being along for the ride, and hoping that the characters and and the surrounding will be enough to carry you through. it's, I, I think he does that too much to an extent. Like, you know, it's a fantasy story, but you're not entirely sure what you're supposed to be believing, what you're not supposed to be believing. And the director seems perfectly okay with not explaining any of that. Um, And you're left a little, like a lot of the scenes are just, you're just unsettled for a lot of the movie. You're unsettled. Um, on his journey, uh, but Dev Patel is excellent in it. Alicia Vikander is excellent. Um, the ending is really, really intriguing. I can imagine it would be very controversial. Some people will like it and some people won't like it. I think the ending was excellent. I, th- I think it, it really, really created a fascinating moment. Um, but there were just two, for me, the it was it was very, very well done. But the director left too much unexplained. And I think he did that on purpose. But I think there's he pushed that to the limits a little bit. But it really is a visually engaging movie. It's a slow burn. It's not it's, it's one that keeps your attention. But it's not it's not an action movie. So Green Knight. It's worth it's worth checking out if you like some deeper cinema. It really is. Um, And the second one I saw was Prometheus. Um, This is Mm. the kind of prequel alien prequel uh, Ridley Scott and Damon Lindelof. Uh, I like this one more than I like the alien movies. Mm. Um, It kind of sets up the origins. I'm not a big fan of the alien movies. Now this movie was certainly not a perfect movie and had a lot of controversy especially amongst those who were a fan of the alien series Mm -hmm. not being a particular fan of the alien series i was i did not come into that film with a level of expectation that a lot of others did which is why it fell significantly flatter um on overall numbers than it did uh than it did with me personally um but i really enjoy some of the intrigue and and the, char- the different character motivations are really what drive this film is the motivations of the different characters, which um, as they clash and as they compete with one another is really what creates the drama.
1: Yeah, that's uh, interesting to say that because like you said, people who are like the hardcore alien fans really didn't like that movie.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it
1: seemed <like> pretty <laughs> much across the board.
2: Uh-huh. I happen
1: to like all of them so i guess i'm weird
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 but uh there's some really really compelling visual scenes in that movie um so if you haven't seen it check out prometheus all right so let's finish up with our recommendations uh And our recommendations, we're going to give you a few films to watch on Hulu and Netflix. So Rob will be doing Hulu and I, or Hulu and HBO Max, I should say, Not, not Netflix, HBO Max. So Rob will be doing Hulu and I will be doing HBO Max. So give the people something to watch on Hulu, Rob.
1: I have a few things for people to watch. Am I doing all of mine at once or?
0: Yeah, yeah. Since we're doing two different companies, two different services. Let's yeah get you all all yours out of the way.
1: So I've got like uh, two in one category, two in another category, and one in its own category. So it's kind okay.
0: of, so, I'm intrigued. Let's go. Uh,
1: my first category is uh, musical biopics. So we've got uh, mm. Bohemian Rhapsody,
0: mm, yes, with
1: Amy Um and Rocket Man with Taron Ederson. Ah, and, mm-hmm. uh, so Elton John obviously, and then uh, Queen obviously. So. I think uh, both of these guys did a fantastic job in the roles that they were playing. in Freddie Mercury and Elton John. And obviously, when you have a movie like this about someone who is so much in the public eye, there's going to be controversy about whether it was true to real life, like how much of it actually happened. Um, If it happened the way they portray it, Uh, But I think at the very least, we can say that both of them did a good job of um, inhabiting the character of the person who was such a big star. Mm -hmm. Um, The other category I was thinking of was uh, action. So we've got Taken,
2: Mm.
1: Liam Neeson. So um, if you have not seen Taken, I think you should see Taken because it's like it's the archetype of everything Liam Neeson has done since then.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it it is
0: it is yeah, you're exactly right. Like it's the almost archetype of a Liam
1: his, it like define what his career is going to be.
0: Yeah.
1: In a lot of ways. Um but, and I think that makes it the best one because it was the first one.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um and I just think it's overall it's a good movie. Uh, especially compared with some of the other Movies not just of his, but of other people that have tried to emulate the style. I think
2: um, Taken
1: is is really quality. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one that is somewhat in that category, but we're looking at a different way, is The Nice Guys with Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. Oh yes, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so, if you're looking for like a little action, but like absurd humor, then that's a movie for you to check out because. I'm not gonna give too much away about it, but it is it is definitely unique. Yeah. And what they did with the movie. And then the last one in its own category is the mask. <laughs>
0: the mask.
2: Yeah, which if
1: you have never seen, you need to watch immediately because it's just off the wall crazy. It is Jim Carrey in all of his Jim Carreyness.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh I just I love I love the visuals of the movie with the green makeup and uh, Cameron Diaz uh, as not a stick. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, 12-year-old me being very happy about seeing Cameron Diaz in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> and there's one scene where Jim Carrey's face turns into a literal howling wolf, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just... There are so many funny movies, at, or funny moments, and funny references too that you might not necessarily have gotten if you saw it when you were younger. So I'd recommend checking out The Mask 1994. That is also on Hulu. So those are my five that I picked out there.
0: All right. So for me, uh, my recommendations for HBO Max are we'll start out with Batman, 1989, Batman, starring Michael Keaton and Jack Nicholson. Um, relaunched the Batman franchise, directed by Tim Burton, and they had a very unique feel. They were much more cartoonish uh, slash comic book-y. They tried to keep that style and and maintain that style. And despite that, um, it's it's very much in contrast with the kind of the the gritty realism of the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, or just the abject horror of Joker. Uh, it's a very, very different feel, but there still creates some excellent moments of malice and menace uh, within the movie. And since Michael Keaton is coming back to DC, uh, now's a good time to check out his original yeah. work. So Batman 1989. The next ones I'll recommend should, I, I would recommend watching both of them in quick succession. And that is—they both came out in 2017. Um, the Darkest Hour and Dunkirk. Mm. So the Darkest Darkest Hour is the um, biopic. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill focuses on the nineteen on 1940 and his rise to the uh, to be prime minister and him having to lead the country. Uh, through whether or not to stand up against Hitler or to try and negotiate a secret back peace. And this is taking place, uh, this movie is taking place simultaneously to the events of Dunkirk, which uh, is the Christopher Nolan movie. So with Darkest Hour, you get the political intrigue of what was happening in the world at that particular time and the struggle that England was having back at home and politically. Uh, In Dunkirk, you get to see what's going on militarily. And just brilliantly shot uh, movie. It's it's Christopher Nolan's most unique movie in that it's very different than anything else he's ever done.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: just the historical nature of it. But you get a, f- a sense and a feel of all the British troops that are stranded on the beach in France and have no way, uh, no way off the off the coast because they have the entire German army on one side and they've got the ocean on the other side. And. And it looks like the entire British army is about to be slaughtered on the French beach. And the way Nolan tells the story where you have one storyline that takes place over an hour, another storyline that takes place over a day and another one that takes place over a week. And they're all interspliced. And that yet they all connect. It was really, really fascinating and well done Um from a an editing and a narrative standpoint so i would recommend watching both those two together because they give you kind of two sides of the same incident um the next one i will recommend is the hunt Mm. uh betty gilpin we talked about this uh, a few months ago Mm -hmm. on the podcast um but it's basically a kind of a most dangerous game Style uh, movie where they're hunting people, but really the intrigue comes from uh, this is kind of what happens when you let uh, specific political and social divisions get out of hand, and and there's there's a lot of intrigue in that in that realm of kind of uh, reducto ad absurdum, as it were, um, taking things to its uh, logical extreme to make a point. And I think this movie does that uh, particularly effectively, even though it is quite violent and um, disturbing at times. It is, it is an interesting, it is an interesting socio uh, political drama played out over a, a massively bloody <laughs> hunt. <laughs> um, so interesting movie. And the last one I'll give you is, uh, is Gadsby. Uh, Baz Luhrmann's uh, creation of the Great Gatsby representation from the famous F. Scott Fitzgerald. Uh, I think visually uh, he does an excellent job of, of taking you into that atmosphere, into that time, into that place, uh, into the mindset. Uh, I think the most controversial thing, which I like, which some people didn't like, was the use of modern music. And I thought it, it, it did a great job uh, because it, rep, it tied, it mentally tied you into the connections between that era and the era we currently live in, which I thought was a positive, but I know some people didn't particularly like that or appreciate that.
2: Yeah, I,
1: I, I thought it was effective in what I was trying to do.
0: Yeah, so it's a well done film. All right. Well, that's what we have for you. Uh, Make sure you check out filmforfans.com. We're going to be putting up the recommendation list on the website so that you can go check that out and uh, make sure you visit the website for all of our content. Uh, You can get the podcast on there. Make sure you share the podcast with your friends and like, and subscribe and all that stuff. Until next time, enjoy the movies.